0: Good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. It's good to see each of you here. And if you're our guests, once again, we want to welcome you and say thanks for joining us. If you're new to NCC or maybe if you're watching online later in the week, we're excited that you're with us. And let me start by introducing myself. My name's Aaron and I am the lead pastor here at new community church. I've been here about four and a half years, and we are a church that's passionate about making people and places new. And we truly believe this, that God wants to do something new inside of us. He wants to make a change and a transformation in each of our lives. And then what he's doing in us, it spills over into other people, and it spills into the communities that we're in, and it makes a difference to those surrounding us. And so that's what we've been talking about the past few weeks in this Made for More new series, And so we started the first week talking about a new vision, what God's calling us to as a church, what it looks like as we expand and we try to reach new families. Then the next week we talked about a new church and being committed to serve and connecting with one another and giving towards the church and everything that God has for us as we look at that. And last week, if you were here, we had a great time together um, talking about a new community and we were actually outside of these walls. We were out front there in the field um, and had a great time of just connecting around food and we had some local nonprofits here. So we had um, about seven of our partners that we're connected with and many of you guys signed up to serve with them or to get more information about how you can make an impact in your community. And so I wanna say thank you for your support. Each one of those nonprofits came back and said, you don't know what that meant for us to know that there's a church here in our community that wants to support us, that wants to be a part of that. And so that's exciting what God is doing through us to make the community around us new. And so that's what we've been looking at and every week we've been challenging you. Hey, all of this vision that God has given us, everything that God wants to do through our church, it's going to take a commitment from each of us. And so that's what this giant thing is right here behind us is we've said, Hey, it's going to cost us giving and being generous and committing to invest in the vision that God has called our church to. And so we've just asked you, where are you at in this giving? Where are you at in investing in the vision that God has for you? And we started here that some of you may be potential givers. You've never given a dollar to the church. You've never given any money to invest in the vision. And God's challenging you over these weeks. I pray that God challenges you this morning to say, hey, I want to take that first step. And I at least want to become an occasional giver. I want to start to give something that as God speaks, that I would respond and I would do something and make an investment in his kingdom. Or maybe you've been here and you're saying, hey, I'm going to start to give consistently and I'm going to make it a priority. I'm going to make it something routine in my life. And then we talked about those of you that are taking your step to say, I'm going to honor God with the tithe. That simply means the first 10% that I get, I'm gonna be obedient to the word of God and what he says in Malachi 3, and I'm gonna honor him in that way. And then there are those of you that are saying, hey, I'm going to go above and beyond that. And I'm going to be a generous giver. And I'm going to give generously to invest in the vision and the kingdom of God. And and so we're challenged in this way because it does. It takes finances to do all that God has called us to do. But he's calling us to change the world around us. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, a new world. Now, I can't even say that title without thinking of the Disney Aladdin movie, A Whole New World. How many of you guys remember that? Maybe you saw that growing up. Okay, I will not try to sing or dance to that song because that would not be entertaining for anyone. But that's what I always think of. And and I want to look at that. What is God challenging us with the church as it relates to the world around us? You know, whenever I was in middle school and high school, I loved history class. I loved studying the world and and the way that it used to be and about history and learning those different things. One of my favorite times was the Revolutionary War. And I was thinking about this as I was walking through this message and what I learned in history class and what a difficult time that must have been as it came to war strategy and in the armies as the, the American colonies were breaking away from Great Britain. Because if you know anything about history... They didn't have cell phones back then, right? So in order for them to communicate with Great Britain, someone had to get on a boat or a ship, sail across the Atlantic, which at that time took about six weeks to three months, depending on the weather and the time of the year, six weeks to three months to relay the message of what was happening in the American colonies to the government in Great Britain. Then they had to wait for a response and then get on a boat and sail back all the way over here, another six weeks to three months to relay the message back so that troops could be moved and different supplies could be released, all of these different things that were happening. I mean, it took a lot of time just to communicate or to get information out. And I think that must have been so difficult for armies and governments and people to do that when someone had to run or they had to get on a horse and try to take information and that's how news spread. But then you fast forward a few hundred years and things are pretty different. And some of you may remember this back in the 60s, something, a big historical event that happened right here in our backyard in the city of Dallas when the president of the United States was assassinated. Some of you may even remember the moment when you heard that and news traveled so much faster at that point because there was radio and there was telephone. So most people heard in a a matter matter of hours or maybe the next day they woke up and the newspaper was on their front porch if they didn't hear the day of and they found out about this tragic event where the president of the United States was assassinated here in Dallas. And so technology continued to grow. And I think just a number of years ago, I remember this specifically when Michael Jackson, the iconic pop rock star, passed away. And you guys, it was a matter of seconds. And all over the internet, all over Twitter, because that's what I was on at that time, my feed was just filling up, not just with people that lived where he lived, but people all around the world that were commenting on Michael Jackson's life and the music that he made. And I remember even news reporters getting on the news later that night and the next day and, and they just laughed and they said, everyone knows the story. Like the story wasn't theirs to report anymore because now news gets out in a matter of seconds. I mean, it's just a moment. Someone's got their smart camera outright and they're live streaming video footage of volcanoes or hurricanes or things that are happening all around the world. I mean, news is accessible in an instant now because it's just the world that we live in. And so it blows my mind to think about this next statistic that I'm going to give you. And it's this, that currently on our planet, here on the world, there are 7.4 billion people, 7.4 billion people that live in our world. Of that 7.4 billion people, 2.2 billion claim that they're Christians. That means almost one third of people that occupy our planet say, hey, I'm a follower of Christ. I've given my life to Jesus. I've surrendered to him. I'm trying to follow after what he's told me to do. And yet this next, statistic, two billion people have never heard the name of Jesus. That means right now while we're sitting in this church service, there are two billion people here on planet earth that don't know the story of the gospel. They have no idea that God has sent his son. They have no idea that the sin that plagues their life and addictions, that there's actually freedom, that there's good news, that there's hope now that they can receive and forgiveness from God. They've never had the opportunity to even accept Jesus because they've never heard who Jesus is. Now, how do we live in a time when these amazing historical events that we've just talked about, they're known by people all over the world, now where news travels so fast and now we're not talking days, we're not talking months, we're not even talking decades, we're talking 2000 years and we've still not gotten the story out, you guys. We've still not been able to communicate with everyone And I'm not talking about people on some remote island that no one knows about in the middle of Pacific. I'm talking populated areas, populated cities with millions of people, and yet no one's gone there to share the gospel. The church hasn't stepped up to do what it is that Christ has commanded us to do. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn this morning to Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to start reading at verse 19. And in case you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's okay. We've got you covered. In front of you, there is a blue book. It's a Bible. And I want to encourage everyone, whether it's on your phone, whether you have your own Bible, whether you're grabbing one of those, open that up and turn to page 487. That's Matthew 28, 19. And follow along with us as we read this message, as we read some of the last words that Jesus gives us. And in case you've never read the Bible, let me give you a quick picture of what Matthew is. Matthew is a part of this group of books. There's four of them in the New Testament that talk about the life of Christ. And so it's the first four books um, around the time that Jesus was born, and they were written to tell us the life story of who Jesus was. And so some of them go through the birth of Christ, and they all talk about the teachings and the signs and wonders, how he opened eyes, how he healed people. And so it's telling us about the life of Christ all the way through his death when he was handed over to the Roman government to be crucified and to be killed, and how he was buried, and then ultimately his resurrection. And after Jesus was raised from the dead, we know that he walked on this earth for 10 days. He hung out with people for 10 days. He's eating with them. He's hanging out with them. He's spending time with them. Sometimes in small groups, there was just like 11 or 10 of them right there. And then other times in larger groups where there was almost 500 people that saw Jesus 10 days after he died and then was resurrected. And then after those 10 days, this is the last conversation that we have that's recorded before he ascends into heaven and goes back to heaven to be with his father, God. And this is what we read. This is the last thing he says to his disciples. Matthew 28, 19, it says this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And if you have your Bible, just highlight that. Or even if you have one of those blue Bibles, underline that. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Super clear, super simple. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is pretty important because this is the last thing that Jesus can tell them before he goes into heaven. The last thing over all of these three years of teaching and and helping them understand the kingdom of God. What's the last thing that he's going to give them? It's this command that he gives them. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Now, whenever I was in um, Bible college, whenever I went to university, one of my professors gave me a tip. And he said, whenever you're reading the Bible and you see the word therefore, you need to stop and ask, what's it there for? Okay, super simple to remember. Whenever you see therefore in the Bible, you stop and ask, what's it there for? And so why is this there? What, what's being said here? What do I need to know that's going on before? And, and you read those few verses before and you understand what's taking place is, there's still people with doubts. There are people that are seeing Jesus in his physical form after they know he's died, after they know he's been buried and resurrected, and they're still saying, we don't know how all of this is going to work out. And they're doubting, and they're like, we thought you were going to come and establish this kingdom, and you were going to overthrow Rome, and Israel was going to become this strong nation. That's what we thought. And Jesus, we're not for sure what all of this is going to look like. There's doubt in, in their heart. And so Jesus just stops and says, hey, wait a minute. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You're worried about losing church. You can't lose, okay? He's saying all authority has been given to me. And because of that, because of my death, because of my resurrection, because I overcame the grave, because sin and death couldn't hold me, because no one could keep me down, because I am alive and still living today, I'm giving you that same authority. I want you to go into all of the world. What's it there for? He's saying, I have authority. I'm giving it to you. Now you go and make disciples that same authority that you see you saw me walk in now you're walking in that you're taking that into your place of business students you're taking that into your school and into your friendships you're taking that wherever you go go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and so what stands out in this passage is go is a command it's not an option you guys go is a command it's not an option Now, some of us, we try to treat it like an option, right? Like, okay, well, go. That's for those really strong Christians, right? Like those people that they basically have a halo because they're perfect and they do everything right. That's who Jesus was talking about. No, he was talking to everyone standing there. He was talking to everyone who's going to read this passage for thousands and thousands of years into the future that call themselves followers of Christ. He's saying, go, therefore, into all nations. In case you're wondering where, let me just clarify, all nations and make disciples. That's what I'm telling you to do. Go as the command. It's not an option. It's not, oh, if I get around to it, Jesus, if it kind of fits in my schedule, if I can look at my day planner and kind of make it work. No, he's saying everyone, this is a command that he's giving them. This is the last thing that he's saying to them is, I'm commanding you to go into all nations and to share this good news. Go, go tell the story. Go share with other people what God has done. Go share the salvation and the grace and the love of God. Go is a command. It's not an option, but so many times we treat it like that. One of my favorite Christian music artists growing up, and this is going to date me, but it was in the late 70s and early 80s. He had this powerful song, and I just want to share the lyrics. Even though it was written decades ago, it's still powerful. This is what he said about the church. He said, Jesus commands us to go, but we go the other way. So God carries the burden alone while his children are busy at play. We're feeling so called to stay. Then he said it again in the chorus later. Jesus commands us to go. It should be the exception if we stay. It's no wonder we're moving so slow when the church refuses to obey. They're feeling so called to stay. What's he writing? He's echoing these words of Jesus. You've been commanded to go. You've been commanded to go into all of the world. Each and every one of us, we're called to go into all nations and take the gospel, take the good news, not just where it's comfortable, not where it's easy, not just where we understand the culture, everywhere. We're called to spread the gospel of what Christ has done with everyone that will hear it. And I've talked with so many Christians who've been serving Christ for a long time and they're saying pastor Aaron I, I just really want to know man what's God's plan for my life if I could just know I'm buying all of these books I'm reading all of these Christian I, I just want to know his will I just, I pray I spend so much time praying you guys it's simple let me just remove all of the confusion you're called to go you want to know your purpose You want to know what it is God's plan is. You want to know the will of God. It's not some mystery hidden in some obscure verse in the Bible. This is well known. This is in the gospels. He's saying, I'm calling you to go, church. I'm commanding you to go. I'm telling you, take this news, take this salvation into all of the world. Let everyone know what I've done, that this is good news for everyone that will hear it. This is the command that we have as the church. It's not an option for us, you guys. We have to go do this. So let me tell you how this plays out. What I'm not saying is for you to go home and sell all your possessions and move to some hut in a a small remote country across the world. That's not what I'm telling you to do. It's gonna play out in one of two ways. The first is this, and this may seem a little scary to you, but as your pastor, an honesty moment is I pray some of you will move to other parts of the world. I honestly pray week after week that God will speak to people from our church And you'll be up here on this stage and we'll pray over you and we'll support you and we'll believe that, that you'll go into other parts of the world and you'll help plant churches and you'll take new community and what God is doing into remote areas that have never heard the name of Jesus or where there's not an established church and that we could send you as a church. And I'm believing that, that there are kids that are sitting in this room. There are students that are here that you will not grow up in the same country that you were born in, but God will send you somewhere else and you'll make a difference and you'll make an impact. That's a long-term calling to missions and to being a part of what God is doing around the world. And I'm believing that for our church. It's not gonna be everyone, but I believe God will do that with some people that are here as a part of our church that he'll call us into other places. And then this is the second way. Some of us, we won't go long-term, but we'll go short-term. And what I mean by that is simply what Wayne just shared this morning when he talked about a trip that he went on. And so we're gonna do that as a church. We're just taking this command quite literal. And I wanna just share two opportunities real quick in the middle of my message where we're going to go. And the first is we're gonna go to Mexico, and I realize this takes planning and money, so we're getting you plenty of time in advance to take off work and to do what you need to. So spring of 2019, we're going to get the exact dates locked in. We're working with our missionary partner. We're going to get in a, in, a van, in a van or a bus, whatever size we need, to take as many of us as can go, and we're going to go to Mexico. And for a few days, this is a real simple trip, just a couple of days over the weekend, we're going to go. And we're going to bring food to people that are in need of food. And We're going to um, hang out with kids and do fun activities and share the gospel with them. And we're going to be part of a church service. We're going to go. We're going to do what God commanded. And I love this trip. If you've never been on a mission trip, this is a super simple one. It doesn't cost a lot, okay? So you write a few letters, you talk to some of your friends, you save for a few months and you can come up with that amount of money. It's not a a real big amount and you can save over these next few months until the spring of 2000. You can go with us and say, hey, I'm going to take that first step of obeying what God has called us to do. Our second opportunity for those of you that are saying, hey, I want something a little bit more is we're going to the Dominican Republic, and this is going to be in the summer of next year. We're going to go serve with one of our missionary partners, One Hope. One Hope is passionate about bringing the gospel, the words of Jesus to kids and students all around the world. They have an established relationship there in Dominican Republic. They've invited us into schools. So we will be in public schools handing out the Bible, talking to kids, sharing the gospel, sharing stories. It's going to be great. And then they said, we'll just tailor the trip around whoever can go. And so if we have teachers and educators, they said, hey, we'll partner you with teachers and educators. If we have soccer coaches or those of you that play soccer and you want to go, we can do a soccer camp. We can do whatever the people of our church have a gifting and a calling to do. And we're going to use that to minister and to bring the gospel of Jesus around the world. We're going to share that hope. Why? Why? Because he's commanded us to go. And we want to do our part as a church. We want to provide those opportunities to say, God, we're going to listen to your word and we're going to follow what it is that you're challenging us to do. Go is a command, church. It's not an option. We all have that command of God to go and to bring the gospel. I want to look at one more passage, what God is challenging the church to do. So if you still have your Bibles open, Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Romans 10, 13 this is a few decades after the passage we just read where Jesus has resurrected and he's ascended into heaven. And so this writer is reminding the church, don't forget what Jesus just said. Don't forget to go into all the nations. I know a few decades have passed and the gospel's spreading, but don't let it die. And this is what he says, Romans 10, 13. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved super simple. Anyone that cries out to God, anyone that asks for forgiveness, they're going to be saved. But here's the problem. How will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they going to believe in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching to them? Paul, this writer of the New Testament, he's saying, hey, here's the simple thing. Man, anyone that calls out to Christ can be saved. The only issue is we've got to get the message to them. We've got to spread the word. We've got to get the gospel out there. And so he's saying, hey, a few decades have passed, but don't forget the last things that Jesus said. You and I, we're challenged as a church. And God's looking at us thousands of years later saying, don't forget, don't forget, church, the last things that Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. I mean, this is amazing when you read this. Don't know if you've stopped and thought about this. I don't know about your life before you encountered God or came to Christ, before you started asking questions about who Jesus is, but my life was jacked up. I was really messed up. And I was getting in a lot of trouble. I had a lot of issues in my life. I did not see hope. And the fact that God would invite me, not only save me, but invite me into his plan of salvation, is just mind blowing. I know some of you guys, the fact that God would look at you and invite you into his story is absolutely crazy, church. Like we look at our lives and we think, man, I'm worthless. God, I don't know what I would do. My life was messed up. I come from a broken family. There's addictions in my past and there's issues. And yet God looks at you and he looks at me and he says, wait, I'm inviting you into the story. I want you to be a part of this. You read this and you realize, wait, God, we're a part of your plan of salvation. Church, I want you to get that. You are a part of God's plan of salvation, what he's wanting to do in the world. Now, you're not the entire picture. Don't get a big head here this morning, okay? You're not God's only plan of salvation, but you and I, we get to play a part in that. We get to share the gospel. We get to be a part of what it is that he's talking about and what it is that he's calling. And if we're not careful, we think the gospel is all about us. We think it's about my life. Jesus, you saved me, right, to make me happy to make me a better person. We even come into settings like this on a Sunday morning, and I've been talking about the world, and you're like, yeah, Pastor Aaron, that, that all sounds good. Okay, that's great, but, but what about my life? Like my marriage is broken, and my relationships are broken. What about that? My kids don't listen to me. What do I do about that? My boss is a jerk, and he just dumped this project on me. And what, what, How do I deal with that? And I'm going through financial hardship and there's more bills and I have money in the checking account and like all of that. What, What do I do with that? How do I handle that? And God's challenging us in moments like this to take a step back, church, and to realize this isn't all about us. That God saved us not just to do something in us, but through us. God did something with your life. He forgave you and he redeemed you. Not just so the impact would be felt right here in your own life, but it would be felt around the world. See, God has invited you, and he's called you, not just to make you a happier person, not just to make you a better person, but he's saying, I want to do something through your life. I want to use you. I want to show you your potential. I want to show you my plan and my purpose. He's inviting us into what it is that he is doing around the world. You and I get to choose God. Do we want to enter into that? Do we want to be a part of that? And as I mentioned, we all can't Get on a plane and travel to other parts of the world. But there is a way that we can engage, that we can get outside of ourselves. Look beyond our immediate problems and say, God, help me to see your plan of salvation around the world. And that's through prayer. It's through praying. I remember the first time I heard a missionary share this and he said this. He said, hey, I can take all of you with me and I really wanted to go. And so that got my attention. And he said, you can't physically go, but every day as you start to pray for me, he said, you're there with me. And for whatever reason, that just stood out to me. And I thought, God, I know I can't always go. I know I can't always be in other parts of the world. But man, very simply, I can take a little bit of time out of my prayer life in the morning or whenever I'm talking to you. I can stop focusing in on myself and I can focus in on others. And so I've tried to make a habit of doing that. And we're going to do that this morning. And so we're going to just focus in on a prayer country, and this is Operation World Prayer. And every day of the year, they have a different country that they're focused in on. And I'm going to say this right. Guinea, I said it wrong in the first service, is the prayer country um, of today. And it's in West Africa. It's um, kind of in the north, kind of west part of Africa, where Africa um, bulges out a little bit, in case you're wondering where that's at. And what they do is every day they they post a little bit about what's going on in this country and a few prayer needs. And so you can see that in Guinea, there's 12 million people, Um, their economy, like it lists a little bit about that. And there's some other statistics that are there on Operation World Prayer Site. And then there's prayer needs. 85% of that country, almost 10 million people are Muslims. That means that they don't know the story of Jesus or they're not following after Christ with their life. They've not surrendered their life to God. They don't know what it's like to have true and abundant life. And if they were to die, they would be separated from God for eternity. The other thing is they're a developing nation. So not only a spiritual need, but there's a physical need there of clean water, of food. There are people that are in in, um, dire poverty in that country. And so, man, they have a need that's physically represented in their nation. And so what we're going to do is right here in this service, here in a moment, we're going to pray And I'm going to lead out, but I'm going to ask that you don't sit there and just listen to me pray, but in your own words, you talk to God. There's no magical way to say this, okay? There's no special formula. It's just saying, God, I put a little cheat sheet up there, okay? So 85% are Muslims there. That's the first thing you pray for. The second thing, hey, God, they, they have financial needs. There's people that... Have physical needs there, and so we're going to pray for them, and so we're going to do that right now. In your own words, I'm going to ask for you to join with me. And church, let's just take a moment. Let's lift up this country. Let's go there if we can't and physically in our hearts and and spiritually, and let's begin to lift them up. God, we come before you, Lord, and I lift up the nation of Guinea this morning, Lord, and and I'm asking, even though we can't be there, Lord, you see the needs of this nation, Lord, and God, my heart breaks that 85 percent, Lord, are Muslim, Lord, they don't know the truth of your gospel, they don't know. Lord Jesus that you've come to bring salvation that there's freedom from their sins and there's forgiveness in Christ Lord and so I'm praying for your church there let them rise up God lift up your church there Lord let them love their neighbor let them be an example of Christ to those around them that may be hurting that may be broken Lord that need to hear the truth of your gospel Lord use the church in this nation God meet the physical need that is there you see people Lord that are struggling physically Lord it may be health it may be needing clean water God it may be food, Lord, parents that are waking up today stressed about how they're going to provide, Lord, how they're going to feed their kids, God. I pray once again, use your church, Lord. Use people, God. Send missionaries to this nation, God. Bring about change, Lord. Let this be a nation, God, that shifts from being predominantly Muslim, Lord, to being a Christian nation, God, to following after you, that the hearts of people, God, would listen to your voice, God, and follow after you, Lord. We're asking that move in this country, Lord. We lift them up this morning, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Church, I want to challenge you that every day, don't just focus in on yourselves. God's called you to impact the world. God's called you to lift up needs of people all around the world, and that's a simple way to do it. If you have a smartphone, there's an app that you can even download where every day it'll send you a notification of a new country, the needs that are there, and you can just take a moment. God, I'm lifting up this nation. Lord, I'm lifting up the needs of people. It opens up our heart. It reminds us God invites us into his story. This last thing that I want to give you is this right here. In that same passage in Romans, he ended with this. How are they to preach unless they're sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. See, church, we aren't only called to go, but as I mentioned earlier, we're called to help send others. And so as a church, that's what we do, is we partner with other missions organizations, we partner with other families, people that we're connected with that are in other parts of the world that we support. There are missionaries, and we're helping them as they spread the gospel. And so